This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. I'm talking to Gwendolyn Bondi. She and her mother worked together to document their family history, and Bondi became a member of the old Helleberg chapter of the National Society Daughters of the American Revolution in 1994. Bondi talks about Constitution Week, which starts on September 17th. At 4 p.m. on that Thursday, bells across America will ring at schools, churches, firehouses, town halls, courthouses, and in the hands of citizens. Although the 4th of July, celebrating the Declaration of Independence, is abundantly observed, Bondi feels the 233-year-old Constitution deserves equal recognition. I was just going to say the Constitution is certainly the most influential legal document in existence today. You're right. And I took a quick read of it (laughs) before this conversation (laughs) and was surprised anew at how succinct it is, how a document that's that tightly written, that short, can have governed us for how many 230-odd years. So if you could just tell us a little about why the GAR got behind this movement to make us aware of our Constitution? Well, the um, as you said, the Constitution is celebrating its 233rd anniversary this year. It was written in 1787, and it sets forth the framework for the federal government that functions to this day. That's one of the reasons why the DAR um, feel so strongly about the Constitution. Um, it's it's been modeled over those years by more than 100 different countries. Um, but as a living document, it's one of the world's oldest surviving constitutions. And um, while the Supreme Court continually interprets the Constitution so as to reflect a rapidly changing world, its basic tenets have remained virtually unchanged since its inception and unchallenged as well. People quarrel over its interpretation, but never do they question the wisdom of its underlying principles. Imagine creating a document that governs your grandchildren's grandchildren's grandchildren. And that's what the men of 1787 um, did when they wrote the this document in the Constitutional Convention. Um, the DAR, uh, you know, is very much indebted to this because um, members who belong to the DAR have ancestors that were part of this time frame in the 1700s. And uh, so I would say that's as members of the Daughters of the American Revolution, or D-A-R, never DAR, D-A-R, it is our responsibility to keep our ancestors' legacy alive by promoting the ideals they fought valiantly to give to their descendants. And that's the Constitution is part of that heritage. 
And it seems particularly important now when so many schools have given up on teaching basic civics. Um, I think I'm in my 60s, and it was something that was part of the curriculum (laughs) way back when, but hasn't (laughs) been for a while. I think we're all familiar with the preamble. You know, we, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. But then, just to kind of page through, there's the first three articles set up the three separate branches of government, the legislative, the executive, and the judicial. And then it gets into the varying ways that states are dealt with and ways to amend the Constitution. It's just such a far-reaching document, it seems, because it was at the same time specific, but not mired in detail. So it's worth a read. I advise people to take the 10 minutes to do it. I hadn't done it in years. But sure, uh, as you as you mentioned, the uh, the Constitution itself is fairly concise and brief. But then it has 27 amendments um, that help to uh, interpret and clarify um, certain aspects of it. Um, You might recall that those first 10 are known as the Bill of Rights. Yes. Um, And I remember learning about it in school, too. I'm not certain it's covered so much in in the younger grades. I hope that it's covered at least... In some part, in high school, um, but if you haven't looked at it lately, it's worth the read, as you say. It's a very interesting document. Yes, and I'd like to too discuss with you a bit about the DAR and your own personal journey. I, I think you mentioned that you'd been a member since 1994. Can you just tell us a little about yourself and? Was it something that was passed on to you sure. through the family, or how did you decide to become a member? What what led you to it? Oh, sure. Well, um, you know, my my family has always told family stories at every gathering and get-together and Thanksgiving dinner, and so it was always part of my upbringing that we had ancestors who were um here in the what's now the United States, very early on, in the as far back as the 1630s, and uh, actually on both sides of my family. Um, but my, I, I joined primarily because my mother joined, and it was something that would um, we could do together. We had common interest in genealogy, and um, as it turns out, my my father's mother and his grandmother were both early members of DAR. Um, my mother actually joined on her father's side. Um, so it doesn't always pass from mother to mother, mother mm-hmm. to daughter. Um, uh, I'm very fortunate to belong to the DAR on both sides of my family, my mother's and my father's. But um, one of the things that I really love about DAR is that um, 
it gives me an opportunity to interact with um, women of all different um, backgrounds. Our common bond is that we have lineage that goes back to the times of the American Revolution, and that's very interesting to me, um, aside from the genealogical aspect, as well as the community service part. And I'm very committed to the community service portion in giving back to my community, and uh, I feel very, very strong ties to all of that here in the Gilderland area. Well, I certainly want to delve into the community service part, but first I'd like just to unpack a little bit of what you were saying. You and your mother shared this interest. So how did you go about, let's say someone's listening who has heard similar family stories in their own family about ancestors in the revolution, uh, just tell us the process of how you and your mother went about tracing that lineage or verifying it sure well we were fortunate enough to know some names and some dates associated with those names as far as birth dates dates of death uh uh town names where they might have lived or were born or were buried and uh we started doing some searching. Um, some of it was online, and some of it was in the county courthouse where we could find old records. Um, and little by little, we were able to connect um, a name with a spouse and then connect children and parents. And little by little, you begin to build a lineage chart that uh, connects it all. Um, the trouble comes in when there are several different people with the same name in the same town right around the same time. Mm. <laughs> that gets a little tricky. Um, so um, proving all of this is what DAR really wants to see. So they're looking for documents that show birth records or death records, sometimes even a photograph of a cemetery headstone is enough proof to show a person's uh, name and uh, dates of birth and death. Sometimes it will have a spouse or, you know, daughter of or son of listed on the on the headstone. Um, there are all kinds of interesting ways to prove it, um, including uh, tax rolls and other um, other sources. Um, DAR has a lot of resources at its disposal and we can help you uh, sort of you know delve into some dead ends if you've come across those. Oh interesting so if someone is doing this research themselves with the goal of trying to prove this link you have people that can help sort of guide them or give them hints or uh, make yes. the process go faster? Yes. Neat. Sure. Right in the in the capital region, there are more than 13 chapters of DAR. I belong to the old Hillenburg chapter in Gilderland Center. Um, every chapter has a, a, a registrar who has access to online records, online genealogical records. We can look names up if if they're in our database. And we can also offer assistance in trying to find uh, links 
you know, from one generation to another, if, if that's warranted. Um, we generally start out with having someone fill out a lineage worksheet that um, is helpful in showing where the gaps are, and then we can try to fill in those gaps. So for you and your mother, did, you know, this was part of your family lore, and then you gave it reality or proof. I mean, how did that affect the two of you? Did yes. you feel kind of victorious, or did you feel like yes. a relationship oh gosh, with it, some it, of the people just, you'd uncovered? You yeah, and, and we're still doing that. Um, you know, because there are so many generations, and you're so far back, um, there are spouses who, uh, you know, you never looked into before. And so I'm, I'm, we're always interested in finding out, um, you know, who, who was connected with who. And, you know, if you go back far enough, sometimes uh, you find that uh, many family names um, blended together in different generations. So uh, we sometimes joke that, you know, well, 200 years ago, you, we, we were cousins, <laughs> my my mother and my father. <laughs> oh, my. So do, but, you, you know. do your children take an interest in this, too? Um, is this something that's being passed on to the next generation? Yeah. This. Yes. Well, my daughter, who is... Um, uh, a young woman. She is um, she is a member of DAR. Uh, she joined through my uh, through my paperwork, so it was very easy for her because I was already a member, and she just needed to add her generation. Um, my son is, um, you know, he's heard all of these family stories for years and years. Um, and I never really thought he was paying much attention, but a few years ago when he was in college, he must have been talking with someone uh, from the Long Island area who uh, talked about some old name he'd heard through our family lines at our uh, Thanksgiving table. <laughs> and uh, he called me and he said, Didn't, aren't we related to so-and-so? And, -so? and uh, sure enough, we were. And he said, well, so is this friend I just met at college. So he was paying attention. I think that's pretty interesting. Um, there's, a, there's another an interesting um, piece of all of this that has sort of engaged my family. There was a program on television, PBS, I think, called TURN, T-U-R-N. And it was about spies of the revolution. And I have many ancestors who are portrayed in that uh, that program, <laughs> and the the kids say, "Oh, that's you know that's that's my cousin way 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 back, or that's my great great grandfather who was one of Washington's spies in the Revolution." Oh my! It's, uh, pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah, espionage in your family. Well, um, <laughs> your mention of your son made me think. I just before talking to you, looked up a bit about the history of the DAR, and it turns out it was founded, and you probably could fill us in better than than I, um, because women couldn't join the sons of the American Revolution. They wouldn't, wouldn't let women in, and so 
their own group was founded with help from a great-grandson of Hannah White Arnett, who was a female patriot during the Revolution. And uh-huh. I just thought that was an interesting, almost feminist history that your group had. Do you want to just talk a little yeah. about some of the the history of the DAR? Well, well the, the, the interesting, what I find interesting is that it was founded in 1890, as the daughters of the American Revolution, and because of that uh, time frame, there were still real daughters of American patriots who were living at that time, who we call real daughters, um, and they had the, the stories and the background of their own parents who lived through the American Revolution. Um, some of that information is captured in documents that are preserved at the um, DAR Constitution Hall in Washington. Um, Very interesting um, that we were able to capture that information. Yes, first-hand history is always so much more riveting than just lists of names and dates. And it seems like your organization has been involved in all kinds of um, patriotic efforts, especially at wartime. I see that there was, um, during the Spanish-American War, a DAR doctor, Anita Newcomb-McGee, who used the DAR to select um, nurses to serve in that war. And then there were all kinds of things um, to help the war effort in World War One and Two, um, just kind of throughout uh, throughout the history of the country, um, doing supportive things that range from lending your bu- buildings to war efforts um, in Washington, D.C., also helping with immigrants and um, um, giving them supplies yeah. and um, manuals to help them assimilate into their new culture. Um, I don't know if you want to talk a little about highlights of the history of the organization. Well, you just bring up a an important piece of that. The, it was the DAR that established the Manual for Naturalization and Citizenship. And uh, it's been modified since it was first established. But in the, in the, I believe it was in the 1920s that the, um, the DAR put together that important document that, uh, helps people study for their exams, and uh, we do participate in uh, naturalization and citizenship ceremonies. Um, Some chapters um, go and provide American flags to the brand new citizens, and uh, some chapters are very active in doing those ceremonies. That's wonderful. There was one dark spot that happened in the 1930s when Marian Anderson wasn't allowed to sing and Eleanor Roosevelt resigned, but it looks like the DAR has compensated and then some by coming out um, with its 2008 publication, Forgotten Patriots, African Americans, and American Indian Patriots in the Revolutionary War, based on research of you know, these groups of people, individuals in them that played an important part. Um, Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, actually, I have a number of of, um, friends in 
the organization who uh, represents some of those groups um, who are daughters, who are members of the DAR. Um, I can't really speak to um, too much other than that, except that we are a diverse, a diverse group with varied backgrounds. And like I said, our, our common bond is our lineage back to uh, individuals who served in some capacity, uh, not necessarily uh, soldiers, um, but anyone who aided in the cause for American liberty. And you mentioned earlier, and I said we'd get back to, and I'm eager to hear about the local chapter, the old Hellerberg chapter, and some of the community service that um, your group does. If you could just tell us first a little about the old Hellerberg chapter, how many women there are, where you usually meet, and I know you said nothing's usual in the middle of the pandemic, but just a bit about the group itself. (laughs) Um, Well, we typically meet um, in regular time at the uh, Menders Frederick House in Wimbledon Center. Um, but in recent times, we've been doing um, social distancing and outdoor meetings and Zoom meetings. Uh, we've, been, we've been rather creative. We continue to get together and we correspond through email uh, and telephone, of course, to keep our members in touch. Uh, at the moment, we have 41 members Last year, we celebrated our 40th anniversary of our chapter. Um, Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Um, We have a lot of service projects that we've got going on right now. Um, We collaborate with the Christ Child Society to provide baby blankets and other newborn items to new mothers in our local hospitals. We provide personal care items to women at Hope House in Albany. Um, We assist with uh, VA uh, donations of personal care items. And um, as I mentioned before, we can help with genealogical research, but we also provide personal protective equipment to the local hospitals and individuals in the community. Um, I myself have been sewing and sewing and sewing. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Everything from masks to uh, from masks to surgical caps to baby blankets, all kinds of things that they're that are needed. And um, so, you know, if you consider this pandemic a a type of war, we're contributing to that <laughs> to that effort. And all of the chapters are doing that, um, as well as sending um, packages of needed items to our troops overseas. We're that's that's a a given. We're always doing that. Oh, my gosh. So if somebody is listening to this and is interested in becoming a member, how, where would they begin? What, what would they do? Well, they should go to the, uh, the DAR national website, first of all, read up about us a little bit. The website is www.dar.org slash membership. Um, There are lots of different spots to read about the DAR, much of which uh, I've, you know, glazed over a little bit today. Um, But also, um, there's an opportunity to 
fill out a, a lineage workshop or to at least indicate where you might, um, what what part of the state or country that you live in, where you might like to find out more, get in touch with someone. Um, if you sign up for more information in that area, then um, we'll get your information and then we'll reach out from there. But we'd be more than happy to uh, to talk with you, help you see where you are, see what type of information you need to become a member, and uh, help you along the process. We'll hold your hand all every step of the way. <laughs> so, tell <laughs> tell us a little about why you know what keeps you at it. Why might somebody want to join? What what do these forty one women do for you? I mean, it seems like you're doing a lot, you know, of things for other people, but what keeps you at it? Um, Well, I like the, um, I like the service projects that we do. I like the fact that we recognize good citizens and give awards out to outstanding students. Um, I like the fact that we are, um, participating in historic preservation efforts and community education and patriotism. Uh, That is meaningful to me. Along the way, I've made lifelong friends. Um, I'm helping to preserve and honor the legacy of my patriot ancestors, which is very important to me. And um, I've been able to participate in unique and social service-oriented programs that I wouldn't have had the opportunity to do before. Um, I've also gained some valuable leadership experience. And by doing all of those things, I've established a network of contacts um, within the DAR community all over the world. Wow, there's so many things you just mentioned I want to ask about. Um, <laughs> the student awards, what are they about? How do you find these students, and, and what is that process like? Well, we uh, every chapter receives information from the National Society to um, run contests at schools. And so we reach out to the school um, administration and teachers, whether it be history teachers or um, guidance counselors, what have you, they help to identify students who might qualify for some of our contests. Some of them require um, a strong resume as well as an essay. And uh, then from there, they, they're judged. Um, if they the winners of the local chapters then move on to, they usually get an award of some type, and then they move on to the state contest. And if they win at the state level, they win an award and then go on to the national contest. So there are um, opportunities for uh, scholarship all along the way in a variety of different subjects, as well as uh, scholarships for students who are interested in uh, attending college for nursing, for instance. My own daughter uh, received a four-year scholarship uh, that 
over the course of four years, a scholarship um, to attend nursing school. And uh, that, you know, that certainly helped us, but it was also um, a wonderful way for DAR to help support the community. Yeah. Another thing you mentioned was historic preservation. And I know the house in Gilderland Center that you usually meet at is from the early 1800s, but is there anything the local chapter has done um, specifically that we should know about with the historic preservation? Well, there are some chapters um, who uh, work in cleaning up old family cemeteries who have been unattended. Um, there, there are a variety of chapters in the capital region who own historic homes, and so they're constantly um, up, upgrading things like the roofs and sidewalks and mm. other things that need attention. Um, because the town of Gilderland owns the uh, Minders Frederick House where we meet, um, they they take care of it. Uh, we do try to make con- a uh, a contribution to them each year for the use of the house. And um, you know there are lots of um, monuments in the capital region, especially. Uh, that local DARs are helping to restore or maintain or at least bring awareness to. Great. And the last thing you mentioned in that wonderful description you gave of why you belong was you had developed a network, you said, um, all over the world. Just uh, tell us a little about that. There are people, I'm assuming oh, they must oh be American. Yeah. <laughs> There are, oh, I don't know as I have the numbers all right, but there are about 185,000 members in DAR that are, that belong to over 3,000 chapters. Um, the, the grand majority are in the United States, but we do have overseas units as well. Um, you know, these, these are descendants, remember, of ancestors who were in the American Revolution, and they're all over the world. It's pretty remarkable. It is, and that you're in contact with them is even more remarkable. Yes, yes. So, yeah, we can all be in contact one way or another through the National Society. Oh, wow. Well, we've run out of our time. I wonder if you just have any closing thoughts you'd like to leave our listeners with. Oh, well, I, I want you to know that uh, the Old Helleberg chapter is um, accepting new members. We would love to have you come and join a meeting or help you with your genealogic research. Uh, we'd love you to become a member. And uh, we, we do really good work in the community, and we're, we're, um, we're a happy bunch.